Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, if she wanted to switch things up, could Paula Poundstone make it as a librarian? Spoiler alert, no! I mean, of course not! I mean, have you ever listened to the podcast or seen her shows or stood next to her at the store? Well, then you know that Paula Poundstone isn't the shusher. She's the shushy. Nevertheless, we're going to explore this total non-option for her and learn about the library sciences as librarian Emily Aronson joins us for Career Corner. Plus, do you know what would make this podcast better? Well, you sure seem to. It's Mailbag Helpful Hints Edition. I'm Adam Felber, carefully cataloging and arranging the facts and fancies of this podcast to build an accessible living archive in a contemplative and informationally hygienic environment. And now, please welcome the rogue librarian who keeps booking the reading room for the marching band practice. It's Paula Poundstone. Hey, you guys. Hey, Paula. Hey, Adam. And and thanks to tonight's house band, Katie Triplett from Tulsa, Oklahoma, on the toy piano. For bookings and online music lessons in voice, piano, and ukulele, you can contact Katie at katietripplettmusic.com at gmail.com. Who doesn't love the toy piano? I love the toy piano. Yeah, what's new, Paula Poundstone? You know, I have some vision problems, but I feel like it's not a vision, because I can pass the vision tests. You know, when the letters are up there and I'm focused on it, I can do it. If I'm just out and about, I'm forever seeing things that aren't there uh, or misinterpreting what I'm seeing or seeing something right in front of me and not realizing what I'm looking at. And so I've said to the eye doctor, I feel like it's a brain problem. It's like a processing problem more than a vision problem. And honestly, he just laughs when I say it, which isn't really all that helpful. So I'm in the restroom in an airport the other day and a woman has on a sweatshirt and I see the words on the sweatshirt say, I'll bring the bad decisions. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, that is such a great sweatshirt. 
I really wanted to know, like, where do you get a sweatshirt? Like, I would buy that sweatshirt. So I kind of followed her through the airport. And then when I finally got right close where I could ask, it said, I'll bring the shenanigans. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Well, I'll bring the shenanigans is like, I don't want that shirt. That's just stupid. I'll bring the shenanigans. I don't want the shenanigans. I want the bad decisions. Well, you you need to get a a sweatshirt like that made for yourself. That's a great idea. You know what? I could have it made in a remarkably soft tri-poly blend. Well, I mean, it's possible that your remarkably soft tri-poly blend, which doesn't really exist, could be somehow um, fashioned into a sweatshirt. I just don't know. I am not a garment guy. Oh, come on. What do you mean you're not a garment guy? Come on now. What? Don't. Don't you underestimate. You know, you are a garment guy. Uh, uh, Adam, answer the phone. What? (laughs) Answer the phone. Okay. (laughs) Really didn't want to. Um, Hello? Hey, man, it's just me, Mike Bonifat, and I just want to tell you, man, you are a garment guy. Really. Man, you can do garments if you want. You know, I don't usually agree with that bitch, but she is right this time. Yeah. What what do you mean, Mike? I, I, I don't feel like I'm a garment guy at all, and I don't want to be. No, man, you know a lot about everything. I'm sure you know a lot about garments. I, I don't know the first thing about textiles. Oh, man, you know what? I'm an influencer now, so I know a lot about textiles. Like right now, I'm wearing a sweatshirt that you're probably going to wear. Why? You know, you're going to want to wear it because everybody wants to wear what I wear now that I'm an influencer. <laughs> and w- what does the sweatshirt say, Mike? This sweatshirt, and you're going to love this. It says, I would never listen to that bitch, Paula Poundstone. You had to put on a sweatshirt? People love it. People <laughs> love it. Yeah. So try Polly Bun. That's that's defamatory. All right, man, I gotta go. Don't don't you bring that legal stuff in it. I gotta go. I gotta go. I got so, I got a lot, a lot of people influence. All right, bye, man. Bye. Bye, Mike. Boy, he really loves you. He does. Uh, although he doesn't he say did. we're gonna hang out after the game as much anymore now that he's an influencer. Maybe Adam, answer the phone. Answer Wait, the phone. I don't want to call. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hey, man, it's me, Mike Boomer Bonifat. I forgot to tell you. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, I'll see you when we hang out after the game. We're Mine not going to do that, Mike. Right. <laughs> okay. talk, talk to you later, man. Can't wait <laughs> to hang out after the game. <laughs> okay. You'll be waiting. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. He, yeah, he loves you. Hey, Paula, let's say hello to the rest of our crew here by going wait around the Wait a minute. Before we do that, I have to say one more thing. Okay. I could be a librarian. You totally could not be a librarian. Paula, you talk constantly and have frequently told me that you can't stop. I can do it in a low voice. Don't underestimate me. I told you you could be a garment man. That's true. All right, so anyways, now you can go around the horn. Okay, well, let's start. Around the horn. Let's start our horn to the north. Our own north star, your manager, our producer, Bonnie Burns. How are you, Captain Crinkle? I'm good. I love being a north star. Oh, I wouldn't get carried away with that if I were. Wow, it was just just kind of hyperbole, Bonnie. Do you want to know what's new with me? Yeah. What's new? What's new? Are, are you telling me that you wrote a theme song for What's New With You? What's new, what's new, what's new with you? Bonnie Burns, <laughs> North Star. <laughs> I, 
I like the theme song. I hope that your segment here lives up to it. What's new with yeah, you? Yeah, I was just going to say that song's going to be hard to follow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't have that exciting weekend. Here was my experience in the last few days. I actually went, Paula was performing in the area, and I went to her show, and it was the first time I've really been out you know, in a crowd of people. But when I, she was in the green room, you know, which is a room backstage where you can have talent hang out. I walked in and there must've been 12 people sitting there and they were all masked. And of course I was masked. And she said, here's my manager, Bonnie Burns. And I tell you, every word that came out of my mouth, I thought was wrong. It (laughs) just was so Unusual. I felt like, oh, how am I coming across? I think I'm really being bad at this. It was like waking up from being in a coma. I was so, like, I'm not comfortable in that situation. And I used to know how to work a room, baby, like nobody's business. (laughs) (laughs) You know, my guess is that both of those perceptions are incorrect. No. You think that that maybe she overestimated the earlier Bonnie Burns and underestimates today's? Yes, exactly. I think that your perception of yourself as knowing how to work a room, baby, did you say? She did um, say that. Like nobody's well, that business. Was- I think that is pr- probably <laughs> the fact that you're holding yourself to that standard. And I've no. known you for, you know, 28 years now, maybe. Uh, Have you ever seen her work a room? If I have, it wasn't like nobody's business. Let me just say that. It, it, it was like, it was like somebody's business. Come on. Um, boy, I'm so sorry that you had that feeling. I didn't know that you were feeling that way. Uh, I well, thought you were uh, perfectly appropriate. Well, and, that's uh, nice to know. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sure that everyone else had the same feeling, I think, you know, being out. And we all look sort of pale and undercooked. I just, you know, I think it's not having a sense of how I was coming across when it's just been so long since I've been in a group of people that was just people that I don't know necessarily. Uh, There's been no testing ground. No, that's not it. I think I was confident before, but now it's just like a new thing. I'm I'm, I'm sorry that you you felt so awkward in the social situation, but I got to tell you, Bonnie, everybody's going through that now. Everybody's doing things that they used to do two years ago and feeling like, how did I ever navigate this situation in the past? Yeah, and I have to tell Paula, Uh I don't really work a room now because I don't really give a shit. But I used to, when I was younger, about, you know, moving myself forward in show business, and I really knew how to go up and get people talking. Really? Really. What kinds of things would you say? (laughs) What would you say? Are you freaking kidding me? No. I just go, uh, hey, I'm Bonnie Burns. Nice to meet you or something and go around to a bunch of different people. And that opens up the conversation. And, you know, why why are you here? And I meet all these people and then their business contacts for future. Huh. I didn't know you were doing that. Well, you know what happened with Bill Clinton when you were at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Oh, no. What did you do to Bill Clinton, Bonnie? You know, there's like that big cocktail reception before they go in for the dinner. Everybody's mingling around. I'm like standing there and this guy comes up and he says, 
hi, Bill Clinton. He reaches out his hand. He goes, hi, Bill Clinton, to shake mine. And I go, oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. I'm from L.A. I don't know who you are. <laughs> no. <laughs> and since all this stuff has come out that he seems to like kind of zoftic women, now I'm wondering if he wasn't hitting on me. Wait a minute. Wait, was he president yet when this happened or not? No, I guess he was running. No, he was running, wasn't he? Yes. Okay, but wait. Bonnie, this seems to argue against your great ability to work a room. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And besides which, when you go around, wait a minute. This is so unfair. When you when you used to go around working a room, were you hitting on people? No, I was making business contacts. Okay, well then why does it mean that he is? Well, because of his, I mean, <laughs> he's kind of known now for being. Okay, but wait a minute. That's not people. fair. No, I get what you're saying. I know what you're going to do. You're going to say, I made up my mind about this and I create these whole fantasy scenarios. And you could be right. Yeah, I am right. Okay. Poor, poor Bill Clinton being assailed. <laughs> Guy did nothing but introduce himself and you, you, you've got him. Hitting on you. That's well, why did he come up to me? I was just standing there. I wasn't even working the room. Oh my gosh. I, I think it's entirely likely that he, he was uh, into you. I'm on Team Bonnie on this one. Oh, oh for heaven's sakes, the two of you. <laughs> you, you know what? If, in my eye. You guys definitely need to hone your social skills because this is absurd. A person can say hello and stick their hand out and say their name, and it doesn't mean they're trying to have sex with you. Uh, it so always does. Always, 100% of the time. <laughs> no, it didn't mean that then, but now it's made me wonder. That's all I'm saying. So, Bonnie, if you were in a classroom. Oh, my God. And the teacher said, I'd like everyone to stand up and say their name. Would you feel like you were at risk of being gang raped? You know, do you see how she gets, she seizes on this one thing. No, and it's then not she one won't thing. let it go. It's this story is from like 30 years ago. I or said. No, 20, 20, 28 or something. Five, seven, 25 six, years five. ago. It's okay. closer to 30. No, it's not. Fuck you, Adam. Bill Clinton won in 1992. It's 2021. Oh. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Have you wondered why he hasn't called? Is that no. is that why you're saying such a stupid thing? Because you're bitter? <laughs> I said I never thought of it until about a year and a half ago. I love no. Bill Clinton. I think he's terrific. Oh, my God. So you've created a relationship. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. You know, oh. if we were on a phone call right now and we were talking something in business or something, this is where I'd go, you know what, why don't we just... Get off the phone. You know what? Why don't we just move on? Uh, we're going to go down to Sherman Oaks, California, where we're Tony Anita Hull. I'm sure she's got something great and new to update us on. Tony Anita Hull, our producer and friend. How are you? I'm doing well. I have new news, but sad news to report. Okay. Uh oh. Remember Dr. Eleanor, one of our favorite guests? We love her, the ant expert and the rat expert and the spider expert. And the pigeon expert. Pigeon expert. Remember, she named the pigeons after us. Yes. It was Adam and Paula, the pigeons. Yeah. Paula and Adam were hanging out in their loft, and sadly, a uh, hawk got in and ate both Paula and Adam. The only two oh. pigeons that were eaten what? were Paula and Adam, so they are dead. Oh, my gosh. I hate, I'm sorry to report. They, they were so young. 
Oh. They were like two months old. Oh. I know. All the other pigeons lived, but Paula and Adam Oh, my God. Not. You know what? That, <laughs> I have had kind of a headache behind my, but like in the center of my forehead, but like back a little ways. That could be that. Yeah. I've had a lot of feathers in the back of my throat. <laughs> no, that would she be, also. That would be if you were the hawk. Oh, right. <laughs> she did send a picture of the hawk, by the way, that has the blood of Paula and Adam on its beak. Oh, and come neck. on. Oh. She took a picture? Instead of shooing it away, she said, hold on, I gotta get, I gotta, I gotta put my camera on. Tony, you oh, gotta get yeah. a pic, you gotta put that picture up on our Facebook page so we can see that. that picture. The last known that, picture oh, of any part terrible. of Paula and Adam. <laughs> yeah, so that's I'm gross. sorry. R.I.P. Oh, oh wow. well, bye, Paula and Adam, pigeons. Huh. Yeah, we loved you. Um, we never really even got to see much of you. Um, Only the good <laughs> die young. <laughs> we must have done something stupid in that pigeon coop, though. To be the only two to get eaten? No, we were the tastiest. Yeah. The flavor of us was so extraordinary, the hawk said, you know what, I'm going to stop right here. I don't want to do anything to destroy this. This was, oh. You know what? I think Paula the pigeon just couldn't shut up. So all the other pigeons were being really quiet. <laughs> oh. The hawk gets into the coop. And 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 like I'm there, the Adam pigeon's going, shush, shush, there's a hawk. And, and you're like, funny story about hawks. Yeah, yeah, that could be. That While was I was being eaten. <laughs> you know, this reminds me of something. Yeah, while I was being eaten, I said, you know, I was eaten once before. And... Uh, <laughs> Oh, well, that's terrible news, uh, Tony. Oh, that is terrible news. I'm sorry. Oh, my heavens. Tony, Tony, have any former presidents, uh, <laughs> when they were candidates, God. hit on you? Grant, Ulysses, maybe, or uh, Taft? Taft come after you? Oh. Yeah. No, but there have been some sexy ex-presidents. Not Taft. <laughs> maybe like a Kennedy. What about a Kennedy? Ooh. Yeah. Or yeah. an Obama. Oh, mm, only one Obama, but I, I hear you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I know which one you're talking about. Um, all right. <laughs> With that disturbing issue in the wind, uh, I'll, I'll just say for myself as an update, guys, as you know, my yeah. my new book, Confessions of a Puppet Master, written with Charles Band, is out and it's getting good reviews. Um, That's great. Library Journal called it a wildly entertaining read. Which is very cool. So uh, hopefully it's selling like gangbusters out there right now and all the nobodies are picking it up. But one of the things that the publishers have been asking uh, me and my co-author to do, and Paula, maybe you've gone through this, is that it's all about influencers nowadays. So basically, they, you know, the publisher and the publicist are saying, if you know any famous people, the most important thing is to have them talk about your book on Twitter or Instagram. So you just Adam, answer, answer the phone. Answer the phone. Uh-oh. No, 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 no. Okay, hello? <laughs> hey, hey, Adam, man, it's me, Mike Boom Boom Boniface. Uh, uh, hey, listen, man, I'll talk up your book. Uh, I, I, you got a book? I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk up. What would you write, Moby Dick? No, it's called Confessions of a Puppet Master, Mike, so if you could tweet about it, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah, man. I'm a big influencer. Everybody wants to wear what I wear. Everyone wants to read what I read. How many followers do you have, Mike? Uh, right now, I got like uh, I'm almost at a million, million, what? A million. Yeah, close, close. I'm gonna round up. I'm gonna round up and say a million. What are you rounding up from? <laughs> Hundred fifty thousand. 
well, I guess that's, that's more than me. So uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. one to talk. That's oh, a lot man. of... Oh, yeah. I got a shitload of followers, and they do everything I say, man. So I'm happy to tell them to read... Uh, what What is it? What's the name of it again? Confessions of a Puppet Master, Mike. Oh, yeah. That's great. That's great. It's about the puppet business. That's great. People are no, going to love that. Like a guy say... About horror movies, Mike. A guy say, hey, I didn't even watch that sock, and I put my hand in it. That, that's great. You were, yeah, that's great. Uh, that's a oh, confession boy, of a not puppet a, master. Not at all what the book's about, Mike. People are going to love it, man. You get, you're going to sell so many books. You're going to be like, what the <laughs> fuck? How did I sell that many books? It's gonna, it's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonifant. People <laughs> well, do thanks, what Mike. I do. Everybody yeah. wants to do what I do. All sure, right, Mike. man. It's my pleasure. My it's my p- pleasure to help you Thank out, you. you know? Yeah. You, I mean, Mike. you helped me out for years, man. So I'm really thrilled to be able to help you out. Well, that's great. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. That'll be great. All right, man. I'll talk to you when we hang out after the game. Take care. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Take care, Mike. Wow, that's great. So you can go back to your publisher and tell him you have a, a you know, really powerful influencer. Influencer, yeah. Yeah, a million followers. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he does. You know, if you ask Bonnie Burns, um, she'll think you're coming <laughs> on to her. Oh, my God. You know, she's not going <laughs> to let this go for so long. She's going to be hammering me. Yeah. For the next two weeks. But Bonnie, do you but do you remember when LBJ was campaigning and he came on to you? Jeez. The guy. You know what? I wouldn't put it listen, I wouldn't put it past Bill Clinton, Bonnie. What is this? He'd... Why are we assailing Bill Clinton? I have to say I agree. I'm with you. I'm on team Bonnie. He said hi, I'm Bill Clinton. That's ridiculous. After watching impeachment. American crime story, I don't put it past Well, it. I wouldn't. I wasn't going to bring it up because I do like Bill Clinton, but boy, I got to agree with her. After watching that impeachment thing, uh, he doesn't come across very well. Well, was that a documentary? <laughs> well, it was produced by uh, Monica Lewinsky was one of the producers. Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I don't think, hi, I'm Bill Clinton, is inappropriate. <laughs> I don't think it's a big come on. Um, and this is like 1991 Bill Clinton or 1992 right. Bill Clinton. It doesn't right. matter. He said, hi, I'm Bill Clinton. That's no, not. I, I this, believe that no. he, he had sex with about 74% of the people that he said hi to that year. That's not true. Honestly. And that's how he would do it. He That's not Go true. up and he just kind of like. See no. somebody like him, not saying he liked me. And then he, you know, hey, hi. Once I said, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are, he walked away. <laughs> well, you didn't have to say, he just told you who he was. What a weird Hollywood climby thing to say. He just told you who he was. He's, he said, hi, I'm Bill Clinton. You go, sorry, I don't know who you are. How about, how about hello, I'm Bonnie Burns. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> all right, Paula, save us all. Do you have a word this week? Yeah, please. You guys, there's something wrong with all of you. You don't know how to have conversations. This is, you know, yeah, I would agree that you've all lost your social skills. I really, I would. <laughs> Unlike you. Do you have a word this week, Paula? I do, Adam. I have a word. It's parlous. It's an adjective that means dangerously uncertain, precarious. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. Our democracy will be in a parlous position unless and until we pass strong voting rights legislation. 
I recently had the pleasure of performing in Loveland, Colorado, and I happened to ask the audience how many people had had encounters with bears. Well, they all had. They, they were so casual about it. So it might help to understand the word parlous if I use it in a Loveland, Colorado setting. Here. Loveland, Colorado resident number one. I thought you were going to call me last night. Loveland, Colorado resident number two. I got trapped in my garage by a bear. Loveland, Colorado <laughs> resident number one. That must have been a parlous situation. Loveland, Colorado resident number two. It was. It was parlous. Loveland, Colorado resident number one. Still, I called you the night I found the bear in my kitchen, and that was parlous. Loveland, Colorado resident number two. It was parlous the time I climbed that tree to get away from the bear, and I called you. Loveland, Colorado resident number one. No, you texted me. And climbing a tree isn't a good way to get away from a bear. They can climb trees. Loveland, Colorado resident number two. I know. You climb a tree to get away from a bear, and that makes the situation even more parlous. Loveland, Colorado resident number one. You did call me that time the bear was in your kitchen. Loveland, Colorado resident number two. No, that was the bear who called. That was a parlous situation. Loveland, Colorado resident number one. Did I call you the time the bear picked me up at the airport? Parlous, parlous, parlous. <laughs> now, I told all of this to Tony Anita Hull earlier today, and she told me that parlous had already been a vocabulary word in another episode of our show. So... <laughs> This week's word is amnesic. It's a noun or an adjective that means experience or relating to a partial or total loss of memory. It happened a lot to Victoria Barclay on the Big Valley. Last week's word was palanquin. It's a noun that means a covered litter for one passenger consisting of a large box carried on two horizontal poles by four or six bearers. Not a mode of transportation for really great sharers. The week before that, the word was maunder. It's a verb that means talk in a rambling manner. Someone who talks about Archie comics, salad spinners, mood rings, and Matthew McConaughey in a talk on oil prices isn't a very good speech planner. Going back before that, the word was mephitic. It's an adjective that means smelling very unpleasant, like a really old dead pheasant. And not long ago, the word was perspicacious. It's an adjective that means having a ready insight into an understanding of things. I can tell birds can't fly without wings. I must be perspicacious, perspicacious, <laughs> perspicacious. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. That was yeah. special. Amnesic. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable. <laughs> replicable. Replicable. But I do. I do. I do. I do. Um, hey, yeah. Tony Anita Hall. If you can use this week's word, amnesic, correctly in a sentence on three occasions during this show, we will give dollars worth of advertising to Bookshop Santa Cruz at 1520 Pacific Avenue in Santa Cruz, California. Dollars of advertising. 
But you won't even mention them if Tony can't use amnesic three times. No, no, I don't. You know what? This is a challenge. And Bookshop Santa Cruz at 1520 Pacific Avenue has a lot hanging in the balance right now in order to get their dollars worth of advertising. They are really hoping. Tony, do you accept the challenge? Challenge accepted. I'm nervous, but I'll do it. Coming up, Albert Einstein said, the only thing you absolutely have to know is the location of the library. I know he said this because I Googled it. We explore Paula's career as a librarian next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Luxe. I got the Luxe. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. 
That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know... Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i i think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. You can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. The spread of misinformation has fueled our cultural divide and increased our collective anxiety about the future. 
Tackling misinformation isn't a simple task, but it's important. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Conspirituality, a podcast that's dismantling new age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy mad yogis. On the show, a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic walk into a bar, and the bartender says, no, 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 it's not that old joke. They dive deep into current events such as RFK Jr.'s involvement in mainstreaming dangerous anti-vax rhetoric. They crowdsource, research, analyze, and dream up answers to the problem with, get this, proven science as their ultimate guiding light. I highly recommend you check out Conspirituality's fascinating episodes on creating comedy in the MAGAverse with Jordan Klepper or RFK Jr. flirting with body fascism. And you've listened to a bunch of them at this point, Paul, I know, and you tell me you love it. I, I do. They're, they're fascinating. And my favorite part is they use, wait for it, proven Science, Science. and and if if there's any kids listening, that's a class we used to take. Proven science as their ultimate guiding light. I love that. From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed about misinformation and help you resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On this day in unremarkable history, John F. Kennedy Jr. said, Yeah, I'm alive, but Trump lost. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, house band Katie Triplett on that toy piano. You are a virtuoso. So, Paula, you're doing live shows again, I understand. I am, Adam. And you know what? I could not be happier to be back at my stand-up job. I have the best audiences in the world, and spending the night laughing with them is peak. But I have to be honest, I hate all of the self-promotion, the part where I'm still stuck saying, on December 18th, I'll be in Annapolis, Maryland at Ramshead on stage, and on December 19th, I'll be in Boston at the Wilbur Theater. So... I'm always keeping my eye out for another career where I won't have to do that. I love books, and I love libraries. I wonder if I could be a librarian. Well, Paula Poundstone, to answer that question, welcome to Career Corner. Yes, it's time for Career Corner, where we learn all about the wide world of jobs. Would you like to be a fireman? How about a train engineer? Maybe you'd like to make a living as a spot welder. What can you do with your life? Career Corner has the answer. This week, let's explore a career as a librarian. Here to help Paula discover if she could cut it in the stressful, high-stakes world of library science is the adult librarian, Studio City Branch Library of the Los Angeles Public Library System. Please welcome Emily Aronson. Yay! Yay! Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, thanks for being here, Emily. All right, let me ask you. Well, first of all, tell Adam, I, I, libraries don't have to be quiet the way they used to, right? Yes, this is true. I mean, it really depends on the day, but we have a lot of people doing different things. Like some people are tutoring, working on projects together. We also, during you know more ordinary times, have programs that take place in the library. And while they do take place in the meeting room, sometimes the sound you know enters the other space. Um, and we also have to help our patrons. So we're talking to them all the time. 
Um, although we do try to keep our voices quiet if we can. I will say that right now it's been very, very quiet in that almost everybody who comes into the library is just very diligently reading or studying. So <laughs> in ordinary times, there's more noise. And it also depends on the time of day too, because you know, between three and five when the kids are out of school, it's going to be a little bit noisier. There's also the village people performances and the drum circles and that. <laughs> that and I love it that the, the modern yeah. library has all these different events. Um, all right. How many years? So so getting back to to what path I would take to do this, how many years of education do I need to become a librarian and what classes do I take? So you do need a master's degree and it usually takes about two years. So obviously to get a master's, you need your undergrad uh, degree. So I guess it would be six years total. For undergrad, the major doesn't really matter that much. I would imagine a major in literature or communication or, or something relating to public service would help. I majored in molecular biology and then went into entertainment. And this is a second career for me and it's worked out well. So the major doesn't matter that much. Um, wow. You have eclectic desires. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, that's very true. And what courses am I taking when I went in my master's degree? What courses do yeah, I take? Yeah, so you're going to take courses on kind of the foundations of library science and the history of library science. You'll take courses on management, uh, probably on uh, different types of literature. Like I took children's literature. I took young adult literature, uh, something called reader's advisory, which is how to help people find the books they want, um, reference questions, how to, how to really you know, delve deep into what people are looking for and try to find them the answer. And then there are other things like uh, website design. I took, I took uh, working um, libraries and disaster situations, I think was one class I took. I'm trying to think of some of the others. Wait, libraries and disaster situations? Yes. Yeah. It was, what does that it mean? It was about how libraries can help serve the public during disaster situations, how they can get out, you know, correct information. Um, Wow. Um, what was the one you said earlier about uh, one of the courses you mentioned about helping people find the type of books they like? Did you say what was the name of that oh, course? Uh, Reader's Advisory is what it's called. So what kinds of stuff did they tell you in that class? You know, this is embarrassing, but I actually didn't take that one. But it is. Something oh, no. <laughs> it is something I've learned about throughout because there are a lot <laughs> there are a lot of continuing education uh, things about reader's advisory, but you know, you talk about how, what to ask people to look for, to help them find their next book. Um, and it's something I'm constantly working on trying to remember all the books that I've read and know about can sometimes be harder uh -huh. than you might think in the moment, but you want no, to, um, you know, talk to them about what they've read recently and enjoyed kind of what mood they're in to, to get, a feeling for what it is they really liked about the books that they've enjoyed, mm -hmm. you know, because they might be looking for something that's really character driven or a mystery or things like that. And, and when they first come to you for something, they might not necessarily tell you exactly that, you know? All right. So now why do they call it library science? Oh, uh, you start me a little bit on this one. I mean, that, that's a good question. I mean, I guess it's, you know, library and information sciences. So it's, this, you know, the study of how libraries work and how to find information. I don't know. I never really thought about that, to be yeah. honest. There's there's really no application of the scientific method there, um, Emily. I mean, uh, 
What are you trying to pull here? I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, I'd have to look it up to find out myself. So I, I apologize that I cannot answer that question. <laughs> no, that's OK. All right. So now I've been hired. I'm, I'm training. Right. So I'm in I'm in the library with you at Studio City Branch uh, of the Los Angeles Public Library System. Uh, what are my daily duties? And is there like a hierarchy within the library staffing positions? Yes. So uh, the daily duties are going to be really different for each librarian. So my day to day as an adult librarian at a branch is going to be very different from, you know, the head of adult literacy or some a librarian who works on the digital content team or subject specialists at Central and it can also be different from branch to branch, you know, even in Los Angeles, because the communities are so different. But, you know, mm -hmm. for me, generally, I'll have a few hours on the reference desk, which is where we answer people's questions and help them with their computer use and help them find books. Um, and you and you write with the little pencils on the tiny paper. Yes, we do have little pencils and tiny paper. We do. Uh, yes. That's my favorite part. Yes. But, Paula, you got to give computer help, too. Yes. You do have to be. I don't, I, yeah. Computer help and device yeah. help. Well, you know, uh, we have a lot of electronic resources, so we'll have to help people access those electronic resources, you know, on their phones or their iPads or things like that, too. So. What do you mean electronic resources? You mean audiobooks, that sort of thing? Oh, yeah. Audiobooks, ebooks, but even more than that, we have uh, courses, we have streaming media, so we have streaming movies, we have a couple of websites that you can access, uh, Canopy and Hoopla, oh. streaming, streaming music, we have one that you can actually download music, um, you can get up to five songs per week, we have language courses, we have over 200 databases as well, um, so all kinds of things that you can access. That's great. Yeah. With your library card. We even have free, you know, we have free, you can get through your library fee, free passes to museums and other attractions, but you do that on the computer. So obviously if somebody isn't that great with the computer, you'd have to help them, uh, you know, learn that on the website. Okay. Well, we'll put a pin in that because you're right, Adam, that might be a, that might be a problem area for it, me. It, it right. feels like it's a place where you need <laughs> that and, 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 and not talking sometimes seem like two of the really, really big hurdles. Okay. Okay. But you know what, you know, you, you don't want to let the hurdles stop you, Adam. So no, you need to jump a, over hurdles there. That's why exactly, they're hurdles. precisely. Yeah. All right. You mentioned earlier a, a position in the library might be a literacy, adult literacy mm -hmm. person. Did you say adult literacy? Yes. I mean, I just mentioned that because it's a department downtown. So, um, uh -huh. but yes, adult literacy, we have a huge adult literacy program. We have tutors that help people both learn to read and in English as a second language as well. But obviously there are children's librarians as well. So yeah, that's yeah. a huge- I yeah. love, I love it that there's a adult literacy uh, program at the mm -hmm. library. I think that's fantastic. Now, how- how are the books selected for the library? Like who gives the ax to a book uh, to a book that you have carried for a while? Mm -hmm. And and also, um, does your library still have Eat, Pray, Love? Uh, yes, we actually do <laughs> still have Eat, Pray, Love. It circulates really well. So there are no. numerous copies throughout the system. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We oh. should let you know that we have a um, a podcast book club. We've done two books this uh -huh. year. One was Moby Dick, and the other was Eat, Pray, Love. We just finished Eat, Pray, Love oh, a couple wow. of weeks ago. Okay. It, oh, it, it was, that one was not painful. that well received uh, by the club here. I see. Okay. You know, I, I yeah. This is my second embarrassing answer. I've actually never read it myself, but um, it is. Oh no, 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 that's good. That's good. Keep it that way. Um, 
In fact, we might want to put a Paula, a, a Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone book club sticker on that book, like some sort of a warning <laughs> telling people that life is too short. Um, all right, so who, <laughs> how, how are the books uh, selected for the library? Yeah, so in our system, because it's so big, some of it does happen centrally. So the acquisitions team and the subject specialists prepare lists each month of items that we librarians can then choose from for our own branches. So- we're pretty lucky because because it's a big system, everything on the list is purchased for the system in some form. So we know that if we don't choose it for our branch, it will still be available to our patrons because they can order from any of our 73 locations and have it delivered to the branch of their choice. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. So, so that is very helpful because we, we, we can usually only purchase a small fraction of what's on the list. Um, mm -hmm. And we want a lot more than that. So it's really fun to go through and see what's coming out and try to figure out what our patrons will like. So we try to use, you know, get a diverse range of material on different subjects by different authors um, and also look at what will circulate at our location based on, you know, what's what we know to have circulated in the past and we know people are asking for. So, you know, m most of the time, you know, all of the books by the big publishers and the things that you're seeing in the newspaper, those are going to be purchased certainly by the system and most likely at a lot of the branches as well. Uh-huh. All right. Do you have and Paula's books? We probably do. Yes. I didn't, I didn't check uh, before I what? got it. <laughs> I'd have to you were too that. busy pretending to be a scientist. Oh, That's all right. Well, I, you know, if we go back to the science part. My college degree is actually in molecular cellular and developmental biology. So maybe we can. That's true. You did say that. I, I, uh, that, that probably a, gave you a foot in the door though, for the library of science. Even though I didn't come um, up with like, I kind of want to look that up before we end this. Okay, and it great. may be something, you know, honestly, it may be something that I learned in my first year of grad school as well. You might have learned in your first year of grad school whether or not the library had Paula Poundstone's no, books. No, the library no, science the, the science. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, you're going to have time <laughs> to look that up right now because, let me just say this, Walter Cronkite said, whatever the cost of our libraries, the price is cheap compared to that of an ignorant nation. Guess what, Walter? We managed to do both. More with Emily Aronson when we come back. The Cat of the Week is Bob from Yorktown, Virginia. Hey, nobodies. I have an audio album available to you, the listener, on all digital platforms. It was originally released as an HBO special in 1996, but this is the first time Paula Poundstone Goes to College is available as an audio album. It was filmed at an Ivy League university in Cambridge where most people go for four years. I was able to get all I needed in one night. I talk about raising kids, financial deficits, and putting my trade table up. But best of all, there were lots of great audience members to talk to. Listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Al Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain. I'll try to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watched the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertained. <laughs> 
This month is... Wow! Oh, Maze, why do you say that? Supercharge it. <laughs> so that this promo can remain evergreen. I feel like explaining a little bit more. In 60 seconds? I don't know. Maybe I don't bring attention to it. Assuring people like, look, if you listen, you're going to get it. Just give it, give it time. That's a good promo. Just listen to it. Give it time. You'll figure it out. Is this the promo right now? Isn't it? Okay, I think we got it. Cinefo. Wherever you get podcasts. <laughs> detective came and knocked on the door and I said is it Renee and he just gave me that solemn look it was the worst day ever the proof podcast is back with a new case and a new season 23 years ago 18 year old Renee Ramos went missing her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town I don't think that they arrested the right people it's about time somebody's trying to do something she had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered they are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? And we're back with Emily Aronson. Paula. Uh, okay, so during the break, Emily, did did you Google uh, the, the library science, why they use the word science? Yes, I did. And I found two things that are interesting. One is that the term library science first appeared in the early 1930s in the title of S.R. Raghunathan's The Five Laws of Library Science, published in 1931. Um, and then the other thing that I found is that the definition of science itself is at, one of the definitions is actually a systematically organized body of knowledge on a particular subject. Well, then it's almost redundant to say it's, it's like saying library, library or science, science. <laughs> I don't know that I really love that definition of science. I got to say, I mean, you know, they call boxing the sweet science and I have a problem with that, too. I don't think it's sweet or science. It's pugilistic. So at any rate, um, well, that, that science, is a word you know, associated with social sciences. So it's a study, you know, the study, uh, a systematically organized body of knowledge on on the library world, the library and information world. It's also of course, right, called right. library and information studies as well. So. Oh, that's well, better. It's a systematic. What was it? Systematic organization of uh, of a body of knowledge on a particular subject. But it's not a particular subject. I mean, that's part of what I love about libraries and librarians mm -hmm. is, you know, you can ask a librarian a question and frequently they know the answer. But if they don't know the answer, they know where to find it. Every, everything that is everything is there in the in the library. I think I think the subject that she was talking about, though, in terms of library science is the subject there is library. Yes. The organization Yes, how libraries are organized. I mean, when I talked about the classes, I forgot about yes. that. That's a big part of it too. Uh, a collection, you know, how you how to do collection development, how to do cataloging, um, that sort of thing. So that's it's a study of all of that. All right, got it. Um, is the Dewey Decimal System controversial among librarians? Uh, you know, I believe it is. Yes, uh, but to my knowledge, I mean, I haven't really discussed that. Too much myself so 
Is it dead or is it still with us? We still are using it. Yes. We're still using it, but some libraries have transitioned out of it to more bookstore models, things like that. But if you go to a Thanksgiving dinner with other librarians, you don't talk about it. No. uh, Because it can, it can tear at the fiber of the, of the uh, unity of the evening. Well, Um, I don't know. I think we don't, we probably don't talk about it because we're too busy eating. So, and well, that's oh. the other thing. <laughs> right. You know, maybe the Dewey Decimal System is not not the most interesting Thanksgiving topic of conversation. So, Oh, how can you say that? Um, all right. Now, libraries have changed a lot. I mean, I think people still often have a very old-fashioned vision, you know, their memory of what the library is like when they were a kid. Libraries have changed a lot. They have events and, and programs now, right? Yes. We do. We have a lot of events and programs. It's really a great way to build community and bring people into the library. And so, so is Paula going to have to make these events and programs? What does she have oh. to do? So I think I'd be good at there that. There are a lot, you know, people do a lot of different kinds of programs. So, for example, one of my favorite programs that I've done, and this was in, you know, the before times when we were in person, our summer reading theme was uh, it's showtime at the library. And the summer reading thing is also a lot of fun. That's a big deal at almost every library. Oh, I loved that yeah. for my kids. Well, yeah. it's also for adults now. It's for all ages. So, and adults can win prizes and things too. So it's very fun. Oh, that's a riot. Um, so we created a trapped in a Broadway theater escape room experience. Oh, wow. We did nine shows. And I knew that I was not going to be able to create animatronics or learn how to do that in two months. Although I will say some librarians can. I mean, they work on makerspaces and robotics and all, yeah, all kinds of things. Downtown, there's an Octavia Lab makerspace with all kinds of machines that you can use for a couple of hours to create different things, you know, 3D printers. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. So there's all kinds of stuff going on. Um, so I knew I wasn't going to be able to create animatronics. So I decided to use people. And what would happen is they would, the, the people in the escape room would trigger something and then the cast would appear lip syncing to a song from Broadway musical. Oh, wow. It was so much fun. For example, they pointed a phone at a poster from Wicked and the music from Defying Gravity started. And then I appeared as Elphaba above the the top lip syncing to the end. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds great. And this is good because I could continue with my you know, I could still perform. I like that. Yes. Oh, we did have an open uh, yeah. comedy, a lot of uh, open mic. A lot of our libraries have open mics as well. Really? Yeah. It never occurred to me to work the library circuit as a comic. Right. You should totally work the library circuit, Paula. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would love that. And and our um, podcast, our children's librarian has her a podcast she does with her children's book club. Club. It's called Children mm-hmm. Chatting with Authors, and they get the authors on and the kids interview them. So that's really fun too. There are all kinds of programs. Oh, you that can sounds do. great! All right, see this. This has this has my number. I I can do this. Um, or can you, Emily? What's the no. hardest thing that Paula's going to run into? What's the hardest part of being a librarian? Well, I think you know, anytime you're working with the public, it can be hard to realize that you can't help people with everything. So you know, we try to be an open, welcoming space, and we do have all kinds of people come in, and sometimes people come in with problems that the library at least can't solve on its own. So, you know, that we do work hard to partner with other community organizations and things. And, um, you know, we give training on staff to have handle a variety of situations. Um, Though I will say for me, I have been very fortunate and I love my job and I've had a great experience, though I do live in fear of one thing. And that Hmm. is 
having my book clubs hate a book I choose. It is very stressful hour. Don't choose Eat, Pray, Love. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I might even steer clear of Moby Dick if I were you. Uh. I feel guilty for days after that. But the flip side of that, though, is that it's a joy when they actually when you suggest something that people do love or the book club you find, they all love it. Like, it's really fun if you do the first of a mystery series and then you see the book club people checking out the rest of the series after you do that. So that's really fun. Oh, yeah. That would be gratifying. All right. So that's the worst thing that ever happened on your job is the book club not liking the book. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, yes, that's the worst light thing that's ever happened on the job. I'm trying to think of. of, uh, You don't have to keep it light. You can tell us the worst dark thing uh, that ever happened on the job. I'm trying to think of things. I mean, in general, I really love my job. So I'm just I. I feel very grateful to be able to work with the public. Um, I do think so far, this sounds like the perfect environment for me. It, it is sounding a little more positive than I initially thought, Paul. Yes. I mean, I do think anytime you're in customer service, you know, you, you are working with people. So you're going to have some moments that are difficult and, um, you know, you kind of have to fall back on your training. One of the things that I've been thinking of, of lately is, you know, everybody wants to feel special and important. So if you just approach every interaction like that and and make everybody feel like they're welcome in the library, that can really go a long way, I think. Has anybody ever slammed a book down and said, not this book? Uh, well, you know, to be honest, the last time that, <laughs> that happened, when I was working in the entertainment industry, one of my bosses did that, slammed books oh, down and yeah. stormed out of the room. So, I mean, maybe that's what I'm yeah, comparing see? it to. So, yeah. yeah, that's why I want to get out of this business and into <laughs> libraries. Um, all right, let me ask you this. Have you ever judged someone on what they checked out? Absolutely not. We absolutely Okay, not. now, honestly, let, let me ask you then as a follow-up. Honestly, have you ever judged somebody based on what they checked out? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, you. All right, Paula, why don't that, you ask it again? You, you you answered that way too fast. <laughs> yeah, I think you absolutely have judged someone on what they checked out. No, um, I, I all really right. haven't. So, like, I somebody mean, checks out a copy of of so so you've got leprosy, and you don't judge them. No, absolutely not. I mean, I think. Yes, it is one of the tenets of library science that, you know, people can check out whatever they want. But I also think, I mean, as a, as a human being, I don't want people to judge me based on, you know, something I check out, like a snap judgment like that. So how about a book like Serial Killing? How's the best how to get away with it? Well, you know, people love <laughs> books about serial killers. So, oh, they do, don't they? <laughs> they do. Yeah, they do. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you Um, know, know, we have no idea what's going on in people's lives or why they read certain the things they read. And and so, you know, I mean, that's why we have the books. Plus, we really like high circulation. So I'm not going to stop anything that that increases circulation. Uh, So when someone brings up cleaning with gerbils, you don't say a word. (laughs) Cleaning with, oh, like, (laughs) gerbils clean. No, you know, I have not seen that that book in the library so no yeah we yeah you know why because it's constantly checked out (laughs) um all right uh let me ask you this emily why does someone want to be a librarian um so for me i wanted to become a librarian because i love stories and uh you know i I, that's why i went into the entertainment and then when i switched i 
I found something even better for me. And I found also that I can really channel my creative energy into programming, um, which is something I didn't necessarily expect. So I also like being able to give people things for free and be like, this streaming service, it's free. And this online course is free and, you know, free passes really to cool. local museums and attractions, you know, you can get them here. Uh, but I actually think the most important thing is to want to serve and be a part of a community because that's really what it is. You know, I love going out when I go out, I live near the library. So I go out and I see people from the library out and about, and I see them at restaurants and, you know, things I'm doing. And it's really fun to be able to wave and feel part of that community. So, you know, books and media or information are really just the ways that we help serve the community. That's terrific. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you, Emily Aronson. That was excellent. Paula, your turn. What have you learned about being a librarian? And could you do that job? Well, let me start by saying house band Katie Triplett from Tulsa, Oklahoma on the toy piano. It sounds grand. Thank you. If you can give me a little background music, I'll tell you what the old pounce donator spit out. Emily Aronson, adult librarian, Studio City Branch Library of the Los Angeles Library System. Thank you so much. I think you've helped me find my niche. Although I might need some work in my tech skills in order to assist library users in that area, I admit that openly, I think I'd more than make up for it in my library open mic skills. Thanks for coming to Comedy Open Mic Night at the library. It's nice to be here among a lineup of open micers whose dream of performing on a step stool between the natural science section and philosophy and psychology is about to come true. Long day for me working at the library. I spent the morning sewing pencils in half. It's not an easy job being a librarian. I have to deal with the public a lot. Today, someone complained that I put their name on the waiting list to take out Eat, Pray, Love months ago, and I never called them to tell them it was in. I said, you're welcome. It's awfully quiet out there. <laughs> Remember, you can make noise in the modern library. I was on the reference desk for a couple of hours. A guy in a MAGA hat came up to me. He said, I'm looking for, I said, let me guess, Toni Morrison books with the flammable covers. They're in the makes white people uncomfortable section. <laughs> Boy, if this wasn't a library, I'd think I was bombing. <laughs> Someone asked me where they could find books on cat psychology. I said, that's ridiculous. You couldn't get a cat to see a therapist. They'd fuck up the couch. What are they gonna say anyways? Of course I have mother issues. She used to bite the back of my neck. Well, that's my time for tonight. Come by and see me tomorrow. Return your books. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Paula, uh, where are you going to be appearing next? On December 9th, I'll be in Fort Lauderdale, Florida at the Broward Center for the Performing Arts. On December 10th, I'll be in New Haven, Connecticut at Schubert Hall. And on December 11th, I'll be in Long Beach, California at the Carpenter Center. You can find all my tour dates at paulapoundstone.com. She is the adult librarian at the Studio City Branch Library of the Los Angeles Public Library System. Thank you so much, Emily Aronson, everybody. Emily, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emily. It was great. Thank you all for having me. Coming up next, you love us. You have some problems with us, but you know you can help change us. <laughs> Why, that always works out great, right? It's Mailbag Helpful Hints Edition when we come back. <laughs> 
Fun fact, you make coconut oil by husking, grating, soaking, and boiling a coconut. You make olive oil by grinding, crushing, and then pressing olives. I don't want to talk about how to make baby oil. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Thank you, house band Katie Triplett, again on that toy piano. It's fantastic. Now, before we go any further, Paula, uh, we kind of have an important announcement right here. Because if yes. you remember, we have finished Eat, Pray, Love uh, for our book club. The yes. Nobody Listens to Paula Pattinson Book Club. And we asked people last week to go to the Facebook page, uh, the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Facebook page, and suggest what might be our next book for the book club. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people did. And now we have narrowed it down to three books, which people will then be able to vote for. So let's bring up. From Sherman Oaks, Tony Nita Hull, tell us what the three top choices were suggested by our listeners. The top three choices are Geek Love, mm-hmm. Fight Club, and The Hobbit. Ooh. Well, I'm excited about that. I've, I've read The Hobbit. I haven't read Geek Love, always wanted to, and I, uh, I, I, I've seen Fight Club. Paula, have you seen Fight Club? No, never saw, never saw Fight Club. Those are three super interesting choices, though. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I, I'm thinking of somehow combining all of them where we read a page of each. Uh huh. Nah, that's not gonna. Work. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> that's not gonna. That's not gonna work. Okay, so uh, let's do it this way. Go to our Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Facebook page, and you will find a link to a poll which Tony Neal Hull will post. You can vote right now on whether we should be reading Geek Love, Fight Club, or The Hobbit. There's also, uh, there is a composite book called I Love to Beat the Shit Out of the Hobbit. Uh, that's, I, I you know, that's for another time. <laughs> okay, moving on. Hey, Paula Poundstone, uh, we're, we're getting to a segment that we had to delay from last week, but we're pretty excited about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Wait. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Always good to open up the mailbag. <laughs> helpful hints edition. So uh, I bet you're wondering, what's this helpful hints edition thing, Adam, right? Yeah, Adam, what's this helpful hints edition? Well, you know, our listeners love us, Paula. Of course they do. And there are legions of them love us. But sometimes they have some friendly pointers for how maybe to make our podcast better. So a lot of the letters that we have in our mailbag are helpful hints this week. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah. Always room for improvement. That's what I say. Exactly. To that end, let's bring on... Wait a minute. Back up. What do they want you to improve, Adam? Um, well, let's see. I, I, I don't rightly know, Paula. I, I'm sure that they might have something for both of us to improve. Nah, that's crazy. <laughs> well, <laughs> crazy though it may be. Let's, uh, let's ask Tony Anita Hull, our resident mailbag... Helpful Hints Edition reader, step on up and tell us what our listeners want to know. Okay, so our first one is from Tony. Tony, Tony, our first what? Our first what? Mailbag. (laughs) (laughs) It's our first letter from our mailbag. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Tony. Go ahead and read the mailbag. I can't. No, I'm ready. I'm ready. Because I 
I think this is such an exciting time for Adam to find out what he can do to improve. So you go ahead. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, so the first one's from Catherine Stebinger. I have a word for you. Sputtle. Oh. And I love the podcast. Perfect length for mowing the lawn or vacuuming the house. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, I look forward to uh, to perhaps using sputtle, but when you mow the lawn or vacuum the house, you, you can't hear the podcast. That's right. Catherine? That would be the, the hardest time to hear it. Yeah. Catherine, you like the podcast that goes like this? <laughs> That's Adam. Wait, what? That, uh, I, yeah. I'm not sure that... Uh, I don't think you're listening to the podcast, Catherine. That's the vacuum or the lawnmower. Um, Tony, did you look up Spuddle? No. What? (laughs) You're lying. Tony, did you look up Spuddle? Um. Oh, boy. A feeble movement. Spuddle. Feeble movement. No, look it up again, Tony. I looked it up. It's not that. What does it mean now? What is it? What does it say? It's to make a lot of fuss about trivial things. Oh, I see that at the top. I went down to the the Collins English Dictionary. Oh, who uses the Collins English <laughs> Dictionary? That's like a joke gift at, a, at an office party, the Collins English Dictionary. Oh, you're kidding, Tony. You weren't really looking at the Collins English. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God, uh, Tony! <laughs> Very tired. Are you tired? What are you tired from? It's been a long week. No, you know I gotta say something to you, Tony. You know time is one of the few things that are standardized. Every week is the exact same length, but it can feel longer. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that it is. Also, we record on Tuesday nights, Tony. It's I know it's been a two-day long week for you. No, she meant since last Tuesday. Just been busy. You've been busy? Very busy. Not just sputtling around. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tony, what's next from our mailbag? Helpful hints edition. So it's from Randall Bowie. He writes in too many Fs. You know what? What? I have nothing to say about that. Because, Paula, I feel like you swear more than I do on the show. He didn't say anything about swearing. Yeah, he said too many Fs. He's saying that, you, that, that we say fuck too much. Huh? All right. I have nothing to say about that. Go ahead. Read the next one. Wow, okay. <laughs> next one, a mailbag. <laughs> Helpful hints edition. Thank you, Randall. So we have from Barbara Klein. I'm actually tired of the end when they say, if you're going to buy it anyway, use our code. Too repetitive. Oh. I have nothing to say about that. You have nothing to say about that? <laughs> I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> What's the next one? Oh, okay. Wow. This is going very fast. Uh, Tony Anita Ho. What next? This is from, from Michael D. I've been with you since the beginning. I love the show. Thank you. But Paula's persistent interruptions with the glockenspiel during mailbag (laughs) is just fucking annoying. Not funny annoying. (laughs) Fucking annoying. 
Can you back up and just read that last part again? <laughs> Not funny, annoying. That part? No, before that. Paula's persistent. I know. Paula's persistent interruptions of the glockenspiel during mailbag. It's just fucking annoying. Not funny annoying. Fucking annoying. Please have less of that and more of everything else. (laughs) Wow. Okay. You know what? Now I would like to say something. Here's a fuck for Randall. I know it's more than he can handle. Surely there's a product we could sell that bears the word fuck for Randall. And if you're going to buy it anyway, even if it's not today, use our code. You'll save a load. Pennies for a vintage pricey wine, but don't tell Barbara Klein. A price that's competitive is too repetitive. And here's a special edition that'll interrupt the erection of Michael D. <laughs> All right. Um, Paula, I feel like you're not taking all this constructive criticism in the helpful hints uh, vein that it was intended. Where have we gotten this criticism from, Adam? Uh, from our mailbag. Helpful hints edition. All right, um, Tony, step on up. Okay, so here we go. Uh, so we have our best friend Heidi McBride Fritz is back. <laughs> Heidi. She wrote in, you guys, I love the show, but have you considered maybe just once out of several times actually answering the questions instead of using them as comedic material? Otherwise, really, why do you ask? <laughs> I would like to respond to Heidi's question. To the question, have we considered maybe just once out of several times actually answering the questions instead of using them as comedic material? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I actually thought we did that a couple of months ago, didn't we, Tony? We did. I don't remember that. Yeah, NLT, and a Heidi, if you're not going to listen to all our shows, maybe don't offer us that advice. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, come whoa, on. Whoa. <laughs> Boy, did you see Adam come at Heidi like that? Woo! Sorry, Woo. I got my tackles up a little bit. Yeah. We did try to sincerely answer questions one time. Huh, boy. Heidi must be amnesic. <laughs> Correctly used, but only the first time, Tony, as we wind this puppy down. <laughs> You're going to have to hurry, pick up the pace a little bit. I just remembered. <laughs> because I'm amnesic. Oh, boy. Oh, twice. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that brings us to the end of a very, very satisfying and helpful mailbag. Helpful Hints Edition. You know, I'm wondering uh, if there's any way that we can record my glockenspiel uh, rehearsals and uh, send them off to Michael D. Um, <laughs> I think that would be a great idea. Because uh, Mike, Mike if, it, if it's any help, she does rehearse about up to uh, two to three hours a day. Uh, oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. It bugs the fuck out of everybody. Sorry, Randall. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was fun. Hey, nobodies. If you have any questions or comments or uh, or anything like that, send that to nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. Who knows? You might show up on our mailbag. (laughs) Paula, what's going on in your Poundstone product empire this week? Adam, Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, is humming with the excitement of the holiday rush. And how have we kept everything on such a positive note? We require our employees to be fully vaccinated and masked. She cut the pay last month. Now it's just back to where we started. Merry fucking Christmas. We don't want anything to shut down the production of Poundstone Pussy Pillows, Four inch by five and a half inch handmade catnip stuffed pillows with a cat joke on one side and autograph to your cat on the other side. They also feature a grommet so you can put a string through it and drag it around the house for your cat, giving mittens more meaning to her life. You can order them now at the shop at paulapoundstone.com. And you can listen to my newly released album, Paula Poundstone Goes to College, wherever you listen to comedy online. There's more, of course, but. Heidi. Yeah, and Heidi, you you had quite a presence on the show. I want to tell you specifically, Heidi, and everybody else, that at long last, my book, Confessions of a Puppet Master by Charles Band with Adam Felber, is now on your book stands. It can be delivered to you by Amazon tomorrow. It is the book that Library Journal, and we were just talking about libraries today, called a wildly entertaining read. So uh, if you've loaded up with Pussy Pillows and all of Paula's books and Paula Poundstone Goes to College... And you should. Then consider purchasing for yourself and your loved ones Confessions of a Puppet Master. And subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge, no obligation. If there's a subject or topic you want to know more about, tell us. We're at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam L. Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Emily Aronson. Yay! Yay! And to our house band on that toy piano, Katie Triplett. Yay! Yay! Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezevnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Poundstone Industries production by Vic Lowry. Transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your orders at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. And thank you to the voice talents of Paul Matlock. Bookshop Santa Cruz at 1520 Pacific Avenue in Santa Cruz, California. I'm sorry, but Tony Anita Hull did not use this week's word amnesic three times in a sentence in this show correctly. And so I cannot give you the dollar's worth of free advertising. I'm so sorry. I know you're Santa Cruz's oldest independent bookstore, and I'd love to give Bookshop Santa Cruz at 1520 Pacific Avenue in Santa Cruz dollars worth of free advertising, but I simply can't. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Um, hi, I'm Adam Felber. Hey, that is gross. Look, man, I, I, was just, I was just saying That hi. is not what I came here for. Hey, hey, hey. I is that your saying... hand? Are you, yes. are, are you, are you extending your hand? Put that hand back. Oh, God. Uh, you know what? That is what? so. Th- this is this is. I, 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 we're in the library. It's not a. 
It's not a meat market, for God's sakes. You are disgusting. That's not how I meant it. I just was saying hi. We're not even in the reproductive section. Uh, you oh are misinterpreting God. me. I, no, hey, you that- listen to me. When I say, hello, I'm Adam Felber, what I'm saying stop is... Stop it! You did it again! No, what? stop it! That, <laughs> what? Oh, that is so... That is... What? Look, what? You're reading into just, this. Why not no, just you, wear a raincoat and flash it open, for heaven's sakes? You did you extend so, your hand again? Put yes. your hand back! Look, I don't even know who you are. All I was doing was asking if you wanted to have sex. Yeah. Oh. That's what you I thought, wish, too? I wish you'd been more direct. Oh, I thought I was. I mean, why else would someone say that? I can't imagine. Star Brands Radio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.